Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Three of Seven podcast. I wanted to start off and let you guys know I am going to start releasing a series of private lessons to the team members that support this podcast on Patreon. And this is a series of lessons that I have written out and really thought through the tools that I have used that have helped me get through tough times in life and achieve my goals. So I hope you guys enjoy those. I will release the first lesson today, and that will be at patreon.com backslash three of seven. That's spelled out three of seven. I'll link uh, the Patreon account in the show notes to this episode. So let me know what you think. If you're on there, um, there'll be short lessons, 10 minutes or less, and uh, fired up to hear your feedback. Next thing I want to leave you guys with Refuse to live your life in fear. There's a difference between being smart and cautious and being afraid. There's a difference between being brave and being reckless. Know that line. Take advantage of every day as the gift that it is and carry on. We've got an awesome episode coming up with April Harmon. April has one of the most powerful stories of faith and endurance that I've ever heard in my entire life. So give it a listen. Hope you enjoy. Without further ado, here she is, Miss April Harmon. And for all of us, is you know, when we're in the middle of those trials, when we're in the middle of the struggle is to not get so caught up on the things that we don't know, right? But to focus on the things that we do know. Um, and you know that the truth, you know, is so important to cling to um, when you feel like you're drowning in all of the unknown. All right, April. Well, thank you so much for <coughs> coming on the show today and, uh, and for having the courage to share your story. Um, I think it's it's absolutely amazing uh, that you're that you're able to come on and, and and that you've been able to look back on your experience and um, at least try to uh, um, I guess make something something good you know see some lessons in it and that, that's kind of what that's kind of what I've tried to do in my life too and um, we just can't thank you enough for coming on and for the good work that you're doing right now um, with strong souls in your community. Uh, it looks like an awesome thing, and I definitely want to hear more about that later on. Well, um, yeah, we'll jump right into this, April. And, uh, you know, your story, when, when, when Jeffrey reached out to me and, and you know, he, he kind of reminded me, I, I, I remember you and, and know a little bit about your story because uh, Jeff and I were working together out in Fort Chaffee kind of when you you were going through this. And, um right. You know, I can remember <clears throat> quite a few times, you know, me and Jeff would be out in the field and we'd get down on our knees together and just pray for you and your family and <clears throat> for your strength. And, and, you know, but, but I don't think that I don't think that I understood quite the I know I didn't understand quite the depth and and um, <clears throat> the details of of kind of what you guys went through, April. And, 
you know, I'd love to hear it firsthand from you um, wherever you want to start. Um, sure. Just just go just walk us through kind of what happened uh, during and that, that would have been what, 2014? Yeah, so Brielle was born in 2011. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, up until that point, like when I when I share this story, I always kind of to preface it and say, like, up until that point of my life, everything kind of just seemed to go as I thought that it should. Right. So you kind of look at your life and you all figure out, you know, I'm going to I'm going to go to college. I'm going to get married. I'm going to have babies and I'm going to get a job and everything. Um, everything was going kind of exactly how I thought it should. Right. So um Brielle was born on November 22nd, 2011. And for the full first year of her life, everything was um, perfect, right? So she did all the things that she should do. She was beautiful. Everything in life was going really, really well. Um, And then at 17 months old, she got RSV and the flu at the same time. And, you know, it it made her really, really sick. Um, But again, nothing that we thought we couldn't handle. So we took her to um, the Pittsburgh Children's Hospital, which is our closest um, children's hospital. And, you know, we thought she would just need some IV fluids, some extra care, um, and then we would be on our way. And some complications happened while we were there. I noticed that she wasn't, um, you know, feeding herself like she used to be able to, right? So her eye-hand coordination kind of got a little bit funky and she would try to to bring something up to her mouth and, and totally miss it. And I mentioned it to the doctors and, um, you know, some of them, cause we had a whole team of doctors on our case. Pittsburgh is a teaching hospital, right? So there's always a lot of people in the room and some of them just thought that it was, um, from her being worn down for, you know, from the flu and from RSV and just that she was weak. Um, but there were some other doctors that were very concerned. So they decided to do an MRI on her and still at this point, we're like, Oh, nothing's going to show, you know, very hopeful, very positive, um, and then I can I can still like vividly remember the doctors coming back in her room as she's waking up from the anesthesia um, that she had to go under for the MRI. And it just was, you know, it's like a scene from a movie, right? Everybody's flying around you and you're kind of like zoning out. Is this really happening? Um, and they were throwing all kinds of things at us, right? But essentially it had showed that Brielle had a stroke on her uh, brainstem and could have been all kinds of things. So they're rushing around. We're taking her up to the PICU, the pediatric ICU at this point, and uh, just really not sure what the heck is happening. Yeah. And so we get up there, and they're gonna, they decide they're going to treat her for Guillain-Barre syndrome. Um, and she actually, that evening, lost all movement from her neck down. Um, so really scary to sit and watch, but, you know, praise God, she responded to that treatment. And by the next morning, she's moving her arms again and she's moving her legs again. And things are looking really, really great for us um, as great as they could. So we're staying positive again, hopeful, you know, and it's traumatic and it's hard, but we're still, you know, trusting in God's plan and and everything's going to work out. And, um, you know, all of a sudden we, went from them thinking it was Guillain-Barre syndrome to meeting with a bunch of um, genetic specialists. And they have all these other potential causes of things that could have happened. And, and so they decided to run all of these tests, right? And, you know, at the same time, we're still just holding on to hope that it was the Guillain-Barre syndrome, a one-time thing. Um, 
and, and they moved us from the PICU. She's recovering. She's doing really well back to the main floor and then from the main floor to um, a pediatric rehab facility that's still in Pittsburgh. And we were there for um, a little while. She was regaining her strength. And, you know, these tests that they took take a while to come back, right? So they're coming back fine. They're coming back fine. And then um, we got home from the hospital. She seemed like she was doing great. Um, everything was going back according to my plan that I had for my life. And uh, we got the call that June. So that would have been June 2012 um, with the bad news that uh, one of the genetic tests that they had done had come back positive. And we found out um, that Brielle had a mitochondrial disease and specifically Lee's disease. And I can remember talking to the doctor and she said, um, you know, you please don't get on Google and go research this for yourself. Wait until you come in and speak with somebody. Um, but I had never heard of it before. Um, and of course you're going to get online and try to learn about it. Right. So I did as much of my own research as I could. Um, and I learned that, you know, life was going to be really hard for Brielle. Um, I learned that the diagnosis was fatal for her. Um, and you know, at that point, everything changed. Right. So we went through the sickness and the illness still with uh, with all this hope in our hearts to find out that um, that you know we were going to be lucky if we could have her for six years with us so at that point in your life you kind of realize what's important um, and I feel like you know my foundation of faith it was there but man it was about to get challenged and it was about to get rocked harder than I could have ever imagined um, you know happening in my life. Growing up as a church kid, right, going in to church every Sunday, every Wednesday, um, going through the motions, um, but really, truly, I, I believed all of those things, right, because my parents told me to, or my pastor said it was true, and um, all of a sudden, it was like that wasn't enough anymore for me. Um, so I can remember talking to my family and telling everybody what was going on, and you know, part of the mitochondrial disease with Lee's disease specifically, we had to do our best to keep Brielle healthy. So we had to do our best to keep her away from, uh, you know, outside germ sources. So I quit my job, um, which was an incredible gift. My husband was able to give to me to take on full responsibility financially for our family. And I was able to be with Brielle every single day um, and to focus on her. Um, I can just remember telling my family, like, look, I can't deal with anything negative right now in my life. I have to have um, all things positive. And it was just a shift in my mindset that really, I think, helped. And so looking down the road for us, I didn't know what the future held for Brielle. I didn't know how many years I was going to have with her. All I knew was that each day I had, right, I was going to make it the best day for her that I possibly could. And it was hard, right? I cried myself to sleep for night, you know, for weeks. Um, was just sick in my stomach. My heart was breaking and she had no clue what was going on, right? So you have to stay positive for her and you can't let those emotions show when you're spending time with her. You have to to lift her up and to build her up. And so it was a, a shift in my life where I, I said, I'm going to start taking control of the thoughts that I allow to enter into my mind, right? Things creep in, but I'm not going to let them stay there. Um, and so I started making these little um, changes to stay positive um, the best that I could. So 
Yeah, really, really tough. Yeah, April, I just want to ask you real quick because that, you, you hit on a question that I was just about to to ask you is, um, you know, you talked about coming to your family and, and telling them, hey, I need to be surrounded with positivity. And my question specifically was going to be what what were the things that you kind of implemented to uh, to make those changes, not only in your home, but in your relationships and and in uh, that way, like specific things, what kind of helped you? Um, I guess, maintain that positive mindset uh, through this trial? Sure. Um, so, you know, it, anything that was negative, right? Like if, it, if, if people were going to bring to me like a, I don't know, like talk bad about somebody or, you know, present me with, oh, this is what's going on in the world. And it's, you know, so crappy and whatever. <laughs> I don't want to have anything to do with that. We're going to spin it, right? Anything that comes in, um, that's negative. You need to spin it when you're talking about it around me or, you know, be really careful about the things that you say. And, um, you know, I started only listening to, um, to Christian music for a while. Um, and I mean, I to it to this day, I, I mean, I listen to anything, but that at that point in my life, I needed the, that positivity. And I started really diving back into scripture, um, and, you know, reading my Bible and being really intentional about my prayer life and prayer journaling. And it's been so cool, um, for me at, you know, at that point in my life to go back and to see not the way that I wanted them to be right, but prayers were answered along the way. Um, and so that that was really important for me too. And and listening, um, you know, podcasts weren't super big then at that point, but I had access to sermons, right? So I would get on YouTube and I would watch Stephen Furtick and I would watch, um, you know, guys like Andy Stanley. And I would just make sure um, to surround myself with as much positivity as I possibly could. Yep, that's awesome, April. So it's it's essentially yeah. you took control over what you were feeding yourself with and what you were allowing to come into your presence and, and Absolutely. making sure that the people that you were going to be around were going to be respectful of, uh, of kind of yeah. what you needed in your life at that point. So... No, that's awesome, and I didn't mean to interrupt your story. I just wanted to nail down those those um, those specific things for our listeners because that's so important. Uh, both those things, not only being conscious of the people that you surround yourself with, but being conscious of what you intentionally feed yourself with, um, as far as content and and reading and things like that. So, thank you for sharing that sure. with us, April. I'll let you continue now. Sorry about that. No, that's great. Um, so after diagnosis, um, you know, we, we made some changes to help Brielle too. Uh, one of the big ones was me staying at home, like I mentioned. And the other one was, you know, really kind of isolating ourselves, especially during flu and cold season. And so we were just really, really careful, um, you know, where we, we come from a family that's together all of the time. That was really difficult. So we had to say, you know, hey, if anybody has like even a sniffle, a cold could have put her in the, the ICU for two weeks, three weeks, a month. And so we really had to to start being really careful about that. In the wintertime, she and I were what we would call homebound. So we really wouldn't leave the house, right? Just to to minimize the germs that we would allow in. Um, And she she did okay for a while. I mean, she was in and out of hospitals all the time. Anytime she had a fever, we had to rush her to the emergency room. We had this little specialized letter because certain things that work for normal kids didn't work for her. Um, so, you know, it was always kind of a little bit scary going in to an emergency room that we weren't comfortable with. Um, we did decide to take her down to Florida for a winter to be able to at least get outside and things, right? Because in Pennsylvania, there's none of that in the wintertime, especially for a kid that's 
homebound and needs to stay healthy. So we did take her down to Florida and it was such an incredible um, winter um, until she got sick and she got really sick. We ended up in the ICU in Florida away from her normal doctors and they did the best that they could, but they weren't, you know, they weren't sure about how to take care of her like her doctors in Pittsburgh did. So we had to fly her back home. Um, and that was, uh, that was tough, but we finally got her healthy from that point again and, um, had a really great couple months with her and she seemed to really be doing well and to be, to be growing and progressing and getting stronger. Um, and then all of a sudden, um, she got a cold and it was literally a cold, um, in the spring and, uh, ended up in the ICU for almost a month and a half. She was in a medically induced coma, um, for a while and ended up having to get a trach placed, um, after that hospital stay. And, you know, things were just never, um, normal or never good after that. And so we did get to bring her home for about a month and a month and a half, um, and I, I knew something, you know, mother's intuition, I knew something was not right with her. And so I called her doctors out in Pittsburgh and they got all the lab work ordered. So I took her for labs. The labs were fine. Um, and then two days later, just uh, out of out of nowhere, but not really out of nowhere, um, just, uh, you know, really some scary stuff happened at home. And we had to call 911 and the hospital came or the ambulance came. We rode in the helicopter out to Pittsburgh and she didn't make it. Um, she didn't make it through. So we lost her on um, October 17th of 2014 and just shy of her third birthday. Um, and man, that was hard. So it's like five years, almost uh, a little bit over five years. And it's still just incredibly difficult um, to think about. Right. And I miss her terribly. But, you know, the biggest part of all of this is that I know exactly where she's at. Um, and I know that she is so much more part of my future than my past, but I know that you guys are, are followers of Jesus too. And I, I feel like, you know, as followers of Jesus, it's so important that we acknowledge that sometimes life is really hard, right? Sometimes life can suck <laughs> and, and we, we, you know, we're really quick to say, yeah, but God is good all the time and all the time God is good. And he is, man, I know he is, but sometimes life is really, really hard. And so you don't really, um, you never can explain why things happen. Like I'm not someone that will to claim to have all of these revelations now, five years later as to, to why it happened. I mean, I could see God work in it. Absolutely. Um, but I'll never claim to understand, you know, why the bad things happen. But I think that, you know, what's so important for me, um, and for all of us is, you know, when we're in the middle of those trials and we're in the middle of the struggle is to not get so caught up on the things that we don't know, right? But to focus on the things that we do know. Um, and, you know, that the truth, you know, is so important to cling to um, when you feel like you're drowning in all of the unknown, right? So I knew exactly where she was. Um, I knew I was going to be with her again someday. And so that was my lifeline. Like that was my raft. And so I just, I spent as much time as I could researching um, religion, all religion in general. Um, I read everything that I could get my hands on um, because I started to realize that, you know, while I had a foundation of faith, um, which thank God that I had that. And, it, and I believe that I'm still here because of that, that saved my life. But the foundation wasn't wasn't enough anymore. And, and I realized that my faith 
my childhood faith, right? It didn't really evolve as I grew up as an adult. And some of the things that I learned as a child, my life as an adult, they didn't seem to match up, right? So my childhood faith wasn't um, holding up to the things I was experiencing in my adult life. And just as like our belief in Santa Claus needs to evolve as kids, right? I feel so, so strongly that our belief in Jesus needs to evolve in the same. And, you know, you're given all this information as a kid, if you're lucky enough, right? And it's great to grow up with all of that. But if you're not going to continue to evolve and to continue to study and continue to learn and to grow in your relationship with Jesus as an adult, it's not going to, it's not going to hold up. Um, so, you know, I, do, I dove into all of that. I uh, researched re- religion um, across the board and came out the other side of it, you know, more sure than ever that Jesus is exactly who he claimed to be. Um, and so then I started researching everything about heaven. And um, it just kind of opened my eyes to understanding that the, the, the worst day of my life, right, my daughter took her last breath in my arms. And it, you know, the worst day of my life was truly the best of Brielle's life. And so holding on to that truth and picturing her in her eternal glory, you know, she is, she's died, but she's more alive now than she has ever been. And she's healed and she's full and she's able to walk and to play and to eat anything she wants to without any tubes connected to her. Um, My heart started healing. So it was just, it was really incredible to see, um, you know, the, the him the things of this earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. My heart was on heaven because that's where my daughter was. Part of my heart was in heaven. And it really, um, it really healed me to be so kink, to have such a kingdom mindset, right. To be focused on what's to come instead of getting so caught up in all of the things that are happening around me. I mean, life, was really hard. Um, it was so hard to watch Brielle suffer and be in and out of hospitals and in and out of procedures. But man, none of that was as hard as me trying to figure out my life without her. Um, until until that switch came, right? Until I decided, like, I'm going to cling to the truth. I'm going to try to 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 not let Satan have a seat at my table, right? He was, you know, trying to get in my head all sorts of ways. And um, I just decided to focus on the things that I did know and to grow through all of that. And so, you know, it's been five years and um, I still have bad days. Like, I, I won't lie. There's certain dates, right? Things that are really difficult for me. Mother's Day is super hard um, still to this day for me. And, you know, her birthday and the anniversary of her going to heaven and all of these things are so hard. But man, uh, the best is yet to come. And I, and I fully believe that with everything that I am. And, and I'm trying to live that out. And I love, Chad, I love your mission of the three of seven. And it's just, it's kind of, I, I had no idea really how um, much we share in common about that. Like you, you have to invest in your soul and you have to care for it. Like you're not going to get strong by working out um, one day a week. You're not going to be able to go run an ultra by deciding you're going to jump on a treadmill for 20 minutes one day. And it's not going to make you stronger or healthier to eat one salad on a Monday. And, you know, our souls are the same way. It's so important for us to remember that for them to get stronger, right? And I always encourage, um, you know, my friends and 
the people that I'm around, like train for your trials before they happen, right? Let's, let's have strong souls before we need to have strong souls. And so you're not going to carry your phone around if it's on like 1% battery life without feeling like you need to plug it in and charge it up. And I'm so um, convinced that, man, our souls are the same way that we have to, we have to plug in, we have to charge them up. We have to be intentional about it. Um, and so, uh, you know, all of these things kind of happened, um, as I'm learning and I'm growing and I'm, I'm changing because of all of the difficult things that I've been through. And, and, you know, I, I discovered personally that, you know, my body, uh, was, was made to be moved. And I went through so long, um, without focusing on that at all. It was almost like I was all soul up front. Like I just needed, um, I needed that part of my life to be stronger. And as that grew stronger, um, I started moving my body a little bit more and, you know, I'm getting healthier. I'm healing from this, uh, this trauma, this tragedy. And I started, um, spinning actually. Um, we got a Peloton. I love it. Add for Peloton. You can edit that out, but, um, (laughs) but you know, there's something to be said about challenging your body and strengthening your soul. And man, when the two of them happen together, right. You, you never feel as good as you're going to feel as you do when you're intentional about both of those things. So I noticed the positive change in my life. And I said to my husband, um, this could help a lot of people. I really feel like, um, you know, combining the two of them, there's something to be said about that. So I decided to open up a small, um, fitness group, fitness studio in my hometown and, and talk about God, um, using somebody that you like, I never in a million years thought I would have a fitness studio, right? Your life ends up not looking anything like you thought it was going to look like, but, um, we opened up uh, Strong Souls uh, two years ago, and we do um, indoor cycling and group fitness. And you know, we listen to whatever music we want to listen to, and it's not like it's just us with a Bible, like pounding it on people's heads. But at the end of all of our classes, right, it's uh, it's a little devotional, a time to strengthen our souls, a time to plug in, right, and to reconnect, and just always constantly bringing that um, up front for people. Like, how is your soul, right? You know, if we don't stop and think about it it kind of gets swept or pushed aside, you know, the busier that we get. Um, and, and it's just connecting like, look, you're, you're here because you're making yourself a priority to care for your body. That's a priority, but you should also make caring for your soul a priority too. And why not do them together? And it's, I mean, I'm telling you, it's been incredible. Um, just personally what it's done for me, right? Because um, going into strong souls, I was on all kinds of anti-anxiety medication, um, antidepressants. Um, and you know, I'm not on any of it now, praise God. And it's just, you you know, those endorphins come into play and just constantly taking, um, responsibility for my soul and to, to make it, you know, better every single day has been just such a blessing. So I guess that's my big story in a, quick little nutshell. Yeah. April, can I ask you a question about, um, Absolutely. That too? um, right after Brielle passed away, did you give yourself time to, to grieve? Oh. Or did you just immediately start? Oh my goodness. Grief? Yeah. No, I mean, I was a mess. Um, I was a train wreck for a while. I mean, it was really, really hard. I did therapy twice a week for a couple months. Um, but I, I mean, I, I, it hurt and it, it was very, very difficult. Um, but 
you know, that my, I had a foundation of faith. I kind of knew, right, the, the things that, that I should start doing if I, if I wanted to get through it, right? I mean, I, at my lowest point, you know, I would have done anything to make the pain stop, right? Like I, my mind would be all over the place, um, you know, thoughts of suicide, just wanting to be with her and, you know, all of the difficult things that you go through. Like I was absolutely there. I was, I was a mess, um, I would say, you know, solid for a while. And, and thank goodness my family was surrounding me and lifting me up and building me up. And I, and I think like, I'm so glad you asked that, right, too, because as, you know, followers of Jesus, you, you know, all of the things, right? And you have hope, but hurting with hope still, it still hurts, right? And so it was, uh, it was, it was really tough in the first couple months after. And man, it took me a while, but yeah. So that that's okay. I mean, that's okay though to to take oh, time yeah. before you start pushing through everything. Gosh. Well, and yeah. I had another question too. How did you and your husband? I mean, I can't imagine what this does to a marriage. How how did you guys keep a bond through all this? Yeah. So that was really important to us. Um, and you know, statistically, the odds were stacked against us. Right. You know, statistically, um, you know, married couples that lose children end up getting a. Divorce. Um, and, you know, we committed to each other right after it that, you know, we lost her, we weren't going to lose, we weren't going to lose us. And so um, we, we are, we learned the hard way, I feel like through her illness, that communication is so important. And so um, a lot of times for the hospital stays, um, my husband had to go back to work. So I was the one that was there and we learned to communicate through all of that. So it was, you know, me telling him, relaying to him what the doctor said and making some really difficult decisions, right, via the phone or FaceTime. And so we learned through all of that. Brielle taught us um, that communicating and being open with our emotions was so important. And um, and so we learned that through her. But you know what? Also, um, there was a really excellent pastor um, who who invested in us right after it happened, who showed up on our doorstep the morning we got home from the hospital after she left, um, after she went to heaven. And um, and he would meet with us a couple times and talk to us about how important it was for us to, to not hide our emotions from each other. Um, because, you know, he wants to be strong for me. I want to be strong for him. And so that could have led to both of us bottling up things that we were really feeling. Um, and, you know, I will say one of the things that, that I feel like really helped us through was, uh, and still is, right? We pray together um, all the time, uh, every day now before he goes to work. But before, um, it was my favorite thing we did with Brielle at night. We would hold hands and we would all say a prayer together and then never letting that go after she went to heaven. And for a while, it was us kneeling in front of her crib. Um, and then for a while it was us, you know, before bed, but, you know, fighting through that, um, together with God and, um, I won't say we didn't have some rough patches. Right. But, you know, I'm, I'm so blessed. He's such an incredible guy and, um, truly my best friend. And so I would say, you know, the main thing was just never, uh, stop communicating, being open about everything that we're feeling. Um, he didn't go to counseling, but he would come with me, um, every now and then if I felt like I needed him to, um, it's a great question, but yeah, I mean, and it's just made us that much stronger today, honestly, like, you know? Yeah. I love how you talk about that. Brielle taught you guys communication that you, you still use now. I mean, 
That's that's special. Well, I have one more question, and I'll let him um, go. But our aunt uh, lost a son, actually, Chad's cousin. And it's something I always ask her, and I want to ask you because your situation was different. When people find out what happened to you guys and when you lost Brielle, what's an appropriate response? Like, how do how do we support you without – I just – I never know how to respond, if that makes sense. Yeah. I love that you're asking that. So uh, first of all, I just pray, praying for your aunt. I mean, just not anything that you want to be part of a club, right? But um, there's nobody else that can really understand it. So my heart hurts for her. But I would say, you know, the biggest thing for me is to just to please don't ignore it, right? Um, You know, right after what was really difficult for me was um, I think a lot of my friends didn't know what to do. Um, and so they just stopped including us in stuff. And so they would, you know, still get together and stuff and all of their kids would get get together and play and, and, you know, and, and to not hurt my feelings or to not make me feel uncomfortable in a situation, um, where there were just lots of children. They just kind of stopped inviting us. Um, but that was really hard too, because, you know, I, I didn't really know where I fit in mm-hmm. <laughs> anymore. And so then, then losing that was really difficult too. But, um, you know, so just, even if they say no, so if you're going through something right, um, with a friend and it's new and they say no all the time, right. Just keep inviting them, keep giving them the opportunity, um, to say yes when they're ready. Um, and then, you know, I, I love talking about Brielle and I know some people are, are nervous about bringing her up or just not sure. And sometimes I might cry, right? I know sometimes I, I tell a funny story and we'll laugh about it, but I love talking about her. So just making sure, um, I feel like it's so important for, for us, for as moms, right? To know that people aren't going to forget. Mm-hmm. And so just, you know, hey, do you want to talk about her? Can you, can you tell me, you know, a funny Brielle story? Or, you know, I'm thinking about her today. You know, just little stuff like that. Just to let us know that our hearts aren't the only ones that, that remember and that long to see them. So I think that's super important. Right. And that's Phyllis, our aunt, she talked about the same thing that people shouldn't get uncomfortable if she's talking about her son and she starts to cry or she gets emotional. She's fine with it. And and people right. should just roll with it. You know, she says, and I feel like yeah. you and her have reached a point where you're, you're healthy that, that you can yeah. do that. You know, I, I think that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, totally. no. And, April, again, thank you so much for the courage uh, to to share that story with us in that amount of detail. Um, <clears throat> your measure of faith that you possess, that you have been given, uh, strengthens me to know that there's that level, that there's that measure of faith still existing in this world. Um, it strengthens me so much. Uh, I can't imagine. I can't even begin to comprehend the the heat of that that tight that furnace of adversity that you had to go through in that situation. <clears throat> um, so not only thank you for sharing your story, but thank you for sharing that that measure of faith that you've been given, um, because I think it's uh, it's encouraging for all of us that are Christians. Um, in the world today, and I've got so many questions. Uh, one of the one of the questions that I had was early on in the story when Brielle uh, first received her diagnosis of Lee's Lee's disease. Um, you said you 
really at that point, you focused on making every single moment uh, special. Or, 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 or it sounds like really, to me, it sounded like kind of time slowed down. All of a sudden, you, you, you were focused on where you were standing that moment right then. Uh, is, is that right? Because I, I feel like that's a rare thing to get to experience that uh, as, a, as a human being living in today's society to all of a sudden come to the realization of how valuable every single second, every single minute, every single hour actually is and how much of a gift it is. And could you just speak a little to that? Does that resonate with you at all? Yeah. I mean, and it's such a gift, right? So I said, you know, looking back on all of the things that we've been through, there were so many um, gifts along the way that at the time did not feel like gifts at all, felt like the furthest thing from a gift, but that was one of the biggest gifts. And it was just, you know, things happen every day, right? None of us are guaranteed tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, for me, I knew, I'm, I knew, right? I wasn't guaranteed tomorrow. And all of us know, but do you really know, mm-hmm. right? I knew that, you know, something could happen tomorrow. Something could happen next week. And so, you know, could I have gotten hung up on all of that and just been so focused on, I don't know, and I don't know, and all these things. But it was like God, you know, showed me in that moment that, you know, what you do have right now is this day with her. And what can you do in this day to make her feel like it's special, right? So we had all of these really cool little things that we did. And um, I would sleep in her room every Sunday and she called it the sleep ozer. And it was just really exciting little things like that, that we were just so focused on what's really, really important. And you know, not, not many parents get that gift, right? And, it, and that's exactly what it was. It was It was a gift and it was just making sure every minute of every day was all about her. Um, And I got to do that with her for almost two and a half years and incredible. I mean, it really was. Yeah. And does that, does that now carry on? I I mean, that being a gift, I'm sure you're, you're still conscious of it in your, in your everyday life now. So what do you, what do you do intentionally now or, or, do you do intentional things now to really stay present and uh, and just maintain that that type of mindset of being being where your feet are? Uh, sure, you know I, I try my best, um, and it's you know more difficult. I would say now that life has kind of gotten a little bit crazier because um, you know when when it was just she and I in the house and we weren't leaving, we weren't doing much. It was a lot easier. Um, you know, but my biggest thing now is, I guess, you know, the things that would maybe, you know, really flip somebody out or make somebody feel worked up, you know, for me, it takes a lot for that to happen for me. Um, and, you know, I, I always, I feel like, you know, okay, I was talking to, with a friend and we were talking about how we feel like, you know, when we look at things and when we say when we're 80 or when we're 90 or when we're at the gates of heaven, right, face to face with Jesus, is this going to matter? And so I might not, you know, be as good at being just present and focused on the here and the now, um, but I feel like I've got a really great, um, my head is just really clear when it comes to, to you know, what's going to matter long term and to, to using that day to day, right, and to stay focused on the things that really do matter. Um, 
So. And, and to me, I've never thought about it that way, April, never heard it put in those words. But, man, that's a heck of a measuring stick right there. When, when you look at not only your day-to-day activities, um, the, the things that you say, your mission, when you say, okay, at the end, when, when, I'm at, when I'm standing before my Creator, are these things that I'm doing right now going to matter? At the end, I mean that's a that's a heck of a measuring stick right there. If you if you ever doubt what your if you ever doubt your mission or you ever doubt what you're doing, that's a good question to ask. Is it going to matter when you're standing there um, at, at the very end? So I, I love that. That's solid wisdom, April. Um, the, go ahead, baby. Are you sure? Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to ask you about how you said right after her diagnosis as well. You said that you were trying to change the thoughts in your head. Um, and I know we already talked about surrounding yourself with positivity, but I struggle with, with that. And I was curious how, how, what, what was your strategy yeah. there? So um, I struggle with that too, even still to this day, it's just, it's so hard. So, um, you know, for me, I feel like my mind is always, is always on. Like I have a really hard time shutting it off and, uh, you know, there's certain things, actually, I'm going to recommend a book. Um, Levi Lusco wrote a book. It's called I Declare War. And it's all about declaring war from within. I uh, wish I had this book um, back then. But one of my favorite parts on it, and he talks about how, you know, when a bird is flying around your head, right, you can't really control that it's going to come. But you have the ability to not let it build a nest in your hair. Right. And so, you know, for me, it was these thoughts that would come in, I would have to declare right away, I'm not going to accept that thought as my own. That's that thought is not from me. It's not from God. And I'm not going to declare it as my own. And sometimes I would even like, you know, if, if I was alone or whatever, say it out loud, like I will not accept that thought as my own. That's not truth. That's not from God. Um, and then I would replace it with something I knew to be true. Because for me at the beginning, it was all this unknown. I didn't know enough about the disease. I didn't know how it was going to affect my daughter. It's different for every kid. I didn't know how we were going to afford hospital bills. I didn't know how we were going to afford me not working anymore. Um, all of the unknowns. And a lot of the times you think about um, the thoughts that come into your mind are, are um, somewhat related to an unknown, right? But if we can call them out, and that was what was helped for me, and it was that exact line, I will not accept that thought as my own. Um, and then replacing it with the truth and a simple truth, like God is on his throne. His promises are true. The devil is a liar. Um, my faith is the victor. I've got some skin in this game. And so it's um, kind of coming up with a truth of your own, something that's simple that you can write down and cling to. And then anytime something comes into your head that you don't want to be there, right? That's not welcome. Call it out, send it away and replace it with with the truth. That was kind of what really helped me. That's amazing. And what was the name of that book one more time? It's called I Declare War uh, by Levi Lusco. So um, my husband and I do, we host a watch party. We call it a watch party on Sundays. Levi, have you ever heard of him? No. Have you been? Okay. So he's a pastor. You guys would love him out of uh, Montana. And he has a church called Fresh Life Church. Um, and he actually, he lost a daughter, um, to an asthma attack right before, um, Christmas one year. Mm. Um, and 
I like found him as I was going through all this positivity stuff after losing Brielle, found him on YouTube randomly, listened to one of his sermons, found out that he lost a daughter. And so I just felt connected to him. Um, I feel like he's one of my best friends. I've never met the guy, but um, <laughs> so we actually, we host a watch party now on Sundays here. We rent out a space at the park um, locally and um, we, we host a watch party. So we stream their services in, and, and he wrote this, I declare book, uh, I declare war book. I guess maybe like two years ago, but man, it's so good. That's, you got to check it out. Thank you so much. All that is, yeah. I mean, that's helpful for me. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And I, I just, I, everything that you say is re- it resonates so strongly with me, April. You're like, you are like the picture of three of seven, yeah. what it, what it is all about, because uh, all the stuff you, you've went over so many things, uh, within your story and, and the tactics that you kind of used and to, to get to the point you are now. And it's, it's just so much, you know, you, you talking about staying in the word, uh, intentionally praying, uh, with your husband and, and with yourself. And that's all that's all that is nourishing your spirit. Then you talk about counterpunching those negative thoughts with truth, with real truth. You know, that is for me, that's the sole portion of it. That's, uh, you know, taking control of your mind, will, and emotions, what's coming into your mind, what you're allowing to affect your mind and, and, and emotions. And then now with, you know, strong souls, you, you've brought the body into it and you've incorporated now that whole body, soul, spirit aspect. And mm-hmm. gosh, it's just been so, it's been so strong and yes. so natural for you. And um, it's just an amazing story. You know, and, and one of the questions that I had, April, was um, I talk to a lot of people or, or I have a lot of people reach out to me that are, you know, going through a, 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 an extreme trial or, you know, they're in a bad place and, and they kind of reach that moment with their faith where it's just like they, they just feel like they don't have any faith left. Like, they, and they don't know where to go from there. Um, did you ever? Did you ever have a moment like that at all, where where you just felt like I just a question? Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I just don't have the faith left. And if you did, how did you? How did you recover from that? So yeah, so totally. And I feel like I need to throw out a disclaimer, right? I'm a I'm a straight up train wreck. Like <laughs> I I'm, I'm a screwed up train wreck, right? That is saved by uh grace um grace on grace on grace up in this train wreck so i just i want to make sure all y'all know i am a train wreck um but yeah for sure so you know at the beginning right when like i said um how i felt like my childhood faith didn't hold up to the things i was experiencing as an adult that was the moment for me where it's like okay well you know jesus loves the little children well i spent a lot of time in children's hospitals and let me tell you did not feel like Jesus loved those little children and, um, you know, just, just certain things. And it was like, you know, I, I grew up as a church kid, right. I could, um, tell you all the different Bible stories and I could wrap you the books of the Bible if you wanted me mm. to, but I didn't feel like I knew Jesus. I didn't feel like, uh, you know, my, my faith didn't evolve as I, as I grew up, you know, it was still strong, right. I still did all the things and checked all of the boxes and had this really big, long, long list of things that I knew I shouldn't do. Okay. But it was, it was, you know, that turning point for me where I got to do something or I'm going to break. 
right? Um, I have faith of a mustard seed, right? But that was enough. And so instead of just, you know, getting mad and shutting it all off and turning away, um, I was like, okay, God, you know, if you are good, I want to know about it and I want to find out and I'm going to do it the right way. I'm going to do the research on my own. I'm not going to just believe it because um, a pastor says it's true. I'm not going to believe it anymore because my mom and dad told me it was true. Um, I needed to find out for myself. And so that's when I really started diving in and reading as much as I could get my hands on and researching. And I researched all religions, right? And and it brought me out on the other side of it so much stronger. But I had moments, man, where I was like, this doesn't feel good. And all of the things that I've been taught, they're not adding up. Like, it's not feeling like I'm loved right now. God, you feel so far away from me. And if you're really, you know, if you're really as big as what you say you are and as powerful as what you claim to be, then where are you at right now? There were moments, you know, you just screaming at the top of your lungs, angry. Like I got mad at God. I never thought that, you know, he, he didn't exist or, um, you know, I questioned it for sure. But I guess, I guess for me, it was more anger, right? Like I was so mad that he was letting this happen to me in my life, but, um, brought it back to, to, like I said, just like, let's, let's work through this. Let's kind of figure it out instead of just walking away, um, you know, committing to, you know, if there is a God who is all powerful and all knowing and created the universe, there's going to be so many things that me as a human, I have to realize I don't necessarily need to know all of the things, right? And if you feel like you should be able to explain God and all of the things that he does, you know, your God is way too small, right? He is bigger than, than any of us could ever imagine. And so there's going to be things that happen that we're just not going to understand and we're not going to explain, And so it sucks. And, you know, that was so hard. And, you know, life is really stinking hard sometimes, but man, he's better and he's bigger than all all of that. And so, yeah, I mean, I went through it for sure. And I surely and all of the thing, the other side of it, um, stronger. And when, when you started, after you did your research um, and you kind of, decided, okay, I'm in this, I'm going to start working for this. When did you start getting a return Mm -hmm. on that emotionally, like on your relationship? Did it happen immediately or did it take a while of work? Sure. So, I mean, I feel, you know, I feel like, you know, sometimes people are like, I don't feel close to God. Well, it's not, I don't, I don't think, you know, for me, it wasn't always a feeling, right? So it wasn't always like this, you know, tingly goosebumps, um, this feeling like it was really, 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 really hard, um, for a while to feel that closeness. Um, and, you know, and even, you know, still today, there's, there's moments of my life where I, I don't feel it. I'm going to be honest, right. I just, I don't feel it, but I, I keep working towards it. Right. So it's, it's a constant for me still, um, emotional investment. Right. And that's really what it is. And so at the beginning, you know, um, I do believe that God draws near to the brokenhearted. And so I think that, you know, for, for me that, that it was, I feel like as I was seeking, seeking the truth, right. He was presenting it to me. I do feel that way. Um, there was a crazy moment, right. I'm going to share this with you guys and the rest of your podcast family. Right. But there was this crazy moment where I'm walking my dogs, um, outside and it was maybe like, uh, six months after, um, 
after we had lost Brielle. And so I'm walking my dogs and I'm just praying and I'm crying and I'm praying and my neighbors are probably thinking I'm crazy, but I felt like, um, God said to me all of a sudden, like, I mean, I didn't audibly hear anything, but I felt the spirit in my spirit that he was saying, like, you don't have to do this on your own. Like, you're not going to have to do this on your own. I'm with you. It's not your strength, right? It's mine. And so for so long, I think um, I was trying so hard to do the Christian things and to, to be who I felt like people needed me to be in that moment, um, going through it as a follower of Jesus to be that strength and to show that strength. And it got to just be like a little bit draining, right? And so I'm praying and I'm crying and I'm praying. And I just felt him saying like, you're not doing this on your own. And, and, you know, in your weakness, my strength is revealed. And so let's kind of do it together. And I think that honestly, that was the big turning point for me was maybe like six months down the road of me researching and reading and praying and therapy and, and uh, antidepressants and anti-anxiety medications. Right. So well, all of the things combined. Well, the the key the key word for me listening to you right now, April, is initiative. Mm-hmm. And one of the most uh, beautiful things that God gave us as human beings is free will. And God expects you to take initiative. He expects you to right. to make time for Him. He expects you to seek Him. Um, and that's why that's why his word says, knock and the door shall be opened. The knocking, that's the initiative. And and that's what you took. And I think that's right. the most beautiful piece of advice that you could give to anyone that was in that place in their life where they just weren't feeling it. I guarantee you, if you asked most of those people, well, what kind of initiative are you taking right now? What are you giving to God? What are you doing to seek that closeness with Him? Most of those people would be speechless. Um, they They wouldn't be able to answer that question. So the key word for me is initiative. And I've seen throughout your story it's you, you taking charge of that free will, taking initiative, and then God has honored you and given you that measure of faith back um, tenfold uh, because of the initiative that you took. So uh, this just uh, just a powerful piece of advice, and uh, thank you so much, April. And I, I want to ask you, uh, what is your mission now, April? Um, sure. So I feel like, you know, my mission now is is just to be able to help other people and to to help basically anybody, anybody will give me a chance to talk, right, to help them to understand that, you know, our souls are important. Um, you know, the real you, the inside you, the, the thing that actually matters and the thing that when you're face to face, like we talked about with with your maker, with the creator, right, that's what's important. And so how can you train your soul, right? How can you care for your soul? How can you invest in, right, in, in plugging into the things that matter um, before trials occur, right? Because if you haven't gone through anything difficult yet, chances are you're not going to make it out of this side of heaven without going through something. And so be proactive about it, right? Let's strengthen our souls daily so when the trials do come, we're ready to go into them with a fire. Um, that was just something that I learned probably the hard way. Um, 
a little bit. And so my mission now is just to make sure people acknowledge that our souls are important and that we have to care for them and that we have to be intentional about them just in the same way as we are with our bodies, right? I feel like that's important too. And, and we have to do both, um, both things, right? Care for your body and care for your soul. I love how that you, like, you made that transition and you acknowledge that getting on your Peloton and riding like crazy actually helped with your grief, like taking care of your body. Like you said, it all goes hand in hand. Well, and I think you, yeah. you, you, you experienced some of that in your journey through recovery, oh, yeah. right, baby? Definitely. I mean, and that was a big transition for Brooke and her recovery was yeah. when she started going to the gym and exercise. Yeah, bo- that and, and that body soul aspect. Yep. I mean, you can't you can't work on one without working on the other. I mean, that's some of the best the best prayer time I have is out in, deep into a hundred mile race when I'm praying out loud uh, to to God. You know, mm-hmm. you, to me, you, you it's 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 they're they're all intertwined. Yep. So and and April said earlier the endorphins they they do play a part, but there's so much more to it than that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And uh you got a you got a podcast coming out soon, right, April? I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. Just go ahead and go ahead and speak it. So so yeah. what, what what's it what's it gonna be called? What's uh what's the what's the premise behind the, the idea for the show? So yeah, so we're gonna call it Life Can Suck, but you don't have to. <laughs> I love um, it. <laughs> right? I love it. Yeah. Uh, and so it's going to give voice to all of this, you know, this, we're going to acknowledge that, yeah, life can suck, right? Life can really suck. And, and it's okay to admit that. It's okay to acknowledge that. It's okay to give that some time. Um, but that we don't have to suck, right? So that's the whole premise of it. I'm going to um, hopefully interview people who have gone through some really difficult things, but come out the other side of it stronger um, and better than ever. And Hopefully it'll encourage some people and give some people uh, tips and ideas of how to work through sucky things or, um, you know, maybe just provide encouragement and support to people that are going through difficult things as well. Oh my gosh, that podcast, she's, you're so good at articulating (laughs) what you're trying to say and and the point you're trying to get across. That podcast is going to be awesome. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank a, you. Very I, I have a very feeling good. you're going to be very successful, yes. and we'll we'll talk a little bit about podcasting gear after after we get off the call here <laughs> and um, get you set up with the right stuff. Because I definitely want to be tuning into that show, and I can't wait till you get it up and running. And um, of course, we'll do everything on our thank end you. from three to seven to help support you on that April and and any future missions that you have. Um, you've brought a lot of value to our listeners today. You've brought a lot of value to Brooke and I. Mm-hmm. Um, not only as individuals, but as a, as a married couple, um, and a ton of wisdom. So thank you so much. Yeah. And, and I wanted to end the podcast with, uh, are you, are you ready to end it pretty much? Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. I wanted to end it with, uh, like your favorite memory of Brielle, if, if you felt comfortable with that. I would love it. I would love it. But let me just say, please, no judgment, right? Right. Judgment free podcast. Yep. (laughs) Yep. So, okay. Thank you so much, Brooke, for, um, for letting me do this, man. So, um, you know, as, as someone who spent a lot of time just being at home, right, we had to come up with uh, lots of different games to play, right? So one of mommy's favorite games to play was um, with Brielle was, we called it happy hour. So we would pretend like we were tasting um, wines or 
uh, make it mixing up drinks or whatever. And then, so she would get evaluated by um, her occupational therapist and her physical therapist. So at an eval, um, one time, one of the ladies would say, said to her, Hey, Brielle, what's your favorite game to play? And she says, happy hour. <laughs> and, <laughs> and they were like, oh, did she just say what I think she said? I'm like, well, yeah, she said it. And they go, well, what do you like to drink, Brielle? And she says, yine. And I would let her drink water out of a wine glass. Um, and and then they would say, what does mommy drink? And she'd say, Bia. And, um, Thankfully, thankfully, the uh, the therapist did not call CYS on us, oh and she was gosh. not drinking or I was not drinking real beer um, with her. But anyway, that was uh, it's always like it cracks me up every time I think about her saying "Happy Ayer." Yeah, that's that's such an awesome memory, man. That is, I yeah. love it. I love it. So, you know what was really cool um, is that she she from such a, she started like speaking um, at like almost eight months, right. She started saying words and putting sentences together so early. And so another gift that we get to look back on and, and realize is that we were able to have conversations with her. She passed away just shy of her third birthday, but she started speaking, um, at such a young age, which I, you know, looking back, it's such a gift, um, from God, such a blessing that, you know, we were able to, to, to talk with her and communicate with her and have all of these really great stories. And so I just have to say too, before we, um, before we wrap it up, guys, just, Anytime I get the um, the opportunity to share her story is such a blessing um, for me. And so just that you're willing to um, to let me do that. I just need to say thank you so much for that. Well, it's it's an honor. It really is, April. It it's um it it, it when 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 Jeffrey reached out to me and 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 we talked about it and you know just going back to those to those memories of. Jeff and I, when we were out in Chaffee and uh, just praying together, that was a powerful thing for me and Jeff back then to just pray together and and bringing back those memories. It's just um, I've been looking forward to this interview for quite a while, so it it's an honor, and thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, April. Very nice to meet you. Yeah, thank you, guys. This is the 3 of 7 podcast. Enough said. This podcast was produced by Your Social Gathering. We hope you enjoyed. If you are looking to increase your digital marketing presence or elevate your digital assets, check us out at yoursocialgathering.com.